Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids, and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Cheryl Bass about her novels. After today, you will have heard about writing as a kid, using rhyme to help tell your story, setting your story aside while making plans, using your family as a focus group for your illustrations, promoting your books at children's conferences, taking classes to learn how to promote your books, using your background in PR to help you promote your book, writing stories based on your pets, and her advice to take your time. Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze A sick baby dragon feels terrible when his fiery sneeze causes problems for a neighboring village. Can they forgive and find it in their hearts to help the giant young dragon? Follow one brave little girl who enters his cave and confronts the dragon. After learning about his plight, she advocates for him with the townspeople. It will take problem-solving at its best to prevent further destruction and heal the ailing dragon. So you... Have you already written book two, I assume? Yeah, well, I already wrote the rough draft. And okay. so um, my first editor is going to, she does three edits on it. The first one is the developmental edits for the okay. for the any gaps in the story. And then I add some paragraphs or whatever needs to be added to make, to explain things that are left unexplained in the story. So there's no holes in the story. And mm-hmm. then she comes back with some other edits. And then I have a different editor that I use um, for the rhyme and the meter to make sure no matter what accent you have or where you're from in the country, if you're reading it out loud, it's going to, everything is going to flow. The meter is going to flow consistently. Mm-hmm. So. so what are kind of your like tips and tricks that you use for writing these rhyming stories? Um, definitely read out loud as you are writing it. Read, mm. you know, read a couple of lines and it'll also get you into the rhythm for the next line, for the next right. couple of lines. You know, so first think about what you, well, my process, everyone's different. My right. process is I think about what I want to happen in the story first. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of write it out to myself. Okay. The dragon does this and then the dragon does that. And the girl comes along and she says this and, you know, and then I try to write it in a way that's going to rhyme. So I usually have two things open on my computer while I'm typing. One of them is rhyme zone and the other one is thesaurus.com. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm always, okay, so I've got this couplet I'm working on and I'm trying to think, okay, the dragon is doing this. Um, You know, he goes into his cave and she asks him, why won't you behave? Okay, cave and behave, that rhymes. You know, or if I'm, you know, um, or, you know, what's another word for cave if I can't find a word that rhymes with it? Okay, his cavern, his, his, you know, whatever. So so I'm toggling constantly back and forth between thesaurus.com and rhyme zone. and working on it that way. I use the source for pretty much 
anything I have to come up with a name for. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> very like I don't want to use this word. I want to use a word that sounds fancier. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not rhyming necessarily, <laughs> but <laughs> just like coming up with words that are like, what other words are for that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What else can you call a car? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because you you don't want to keep using the same words over and over again right. in a story, you know. So, Gets repetitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I imagine a cave, you want to always stay a cave. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't suddenly switch to cavern. That's a little hmm. bit different, at least in my brain. Those are two different hmm. things. <laughs> <I don't know>. Okay. <laughs> so you, you write out what you want to happen. You get all the rhyming stuff to happen. And you send it off to your developmental editor. Mm-hmm get it all cleaned up and then so the by the time that it gets to that second editor that's you know checking the rhyming and the accents and all of that mm-hmm. is there typically a whole lot of editing that comes back from that person well it's only been the one story so far and there's been right. some edits that come back and and then I I take some of them and I leave some of them and that's another thing that's important too if just because an editor has an idea doesn't mean you have to accept their idea Right. So I accept about 90% of what both of the editors have said. But there's some things where I've dug my heels in and I've said, no, I'll just leave it this way. I like it this way. And like the parent fun. thing. Like that. that's a pretty big. Yes. Like yes. Where, where his parents at? That's a pretty right, big, right. <laughs> pretty yes, big thing. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. So I mean, um, you could have so, just said, I want it to be a mystery. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But no, then people would have been like that. This doesn't make sense or whatever. So. Yeah, so um, I'm 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 good at being edited because I used to be a journalist um, before okay. I went into PR. So I don't really take edits personally, and I I get excited about them when they're really good edits. But then after I'm done with the edits from both editors, then the next thing is um, I forget what it's called, but where you write out what you want to happen on each page. How so you you have a, a couplet or or four. Uh, little phrases or something that two two couplets or something that you want um on a page mm-hmm. um and then you write out uh you type out what's going to happen on that page while with those words and then what's going to happen on the next page with those words and what's going to be a two page uh spread. You know, spread and things mm-hmm. like that and then you get the first draft back from the editor with with all those things in black and i mean not editor from the illustrator mm-hmm. in black and white and then you discuss color choices and and uh, uh, and that's been very exciting. W- whenever I would get things back from from the illustrator, it was always like Christmas, you know, opening the attachments right. and seeing, you know, what what is and and seeing my dragon come to life and my little girl come to life and mm-hmm. um, so, especially if they're like nailing it, because if they were. Yes. I imagine it'd be a totally different feeling if you open those up and it was totally not what you wanted at all. Yes. That's right. why you audition, essentially, yes. the yeah. illustrators. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so right. you have a general idea of, I mean, I imagine you said you tried out several different ones. So I imagine each one had a different way that they drew the dragons and mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that. Right, right. And I, I wanted the images to look uh, very glowy. I had sort of this... Um, well, you you've seen this, which uh, the people and <laughs> you can't really see it, but um, but the, your the background way the, is eating it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the, my my background is eating it, but um, but but the images on the cover and and inside it are all uh, they sort of have this glow, 
Mm-hmm. And I found some things from other illustrators online that had that same kind of style that I liked. Mm-hmm. And um, so, for example, the little girl is holding a torch for light when she goes into the dragon's cave. Mm-hmm. And you can see this warm glow of of the um, of the fire, torch. Mm-hmm. Of the torch that she's holding, you know, so um, that was very important to me. So even in the black and whites, I said, just uh, can you give me a little bit of color for the um for the torch. I want to make sure that you're doing that kind of glowy uh, type of image that I'm looking for. You want the, so the lights to be reflecting like it would be in real life. If you're holding yeah. a torch, it's not going to be, yes. you know, the only light you're going to see is the fire itself. It's going to, you know, reflect off of surfaces. Yeah. And such. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I wanted it to have sort of this magical kind of quality, you know, so. Um, so so that was very important to me with the illustrations. Okay. So what is, you have another book coming out towards the end of the year. You said, what stage is that book at right now? So the, um, the storyline is it's already written in rhyme. It's already, but it's waiting on its first set of edits. So it hasn't had any of the edits yet, but really from the time it gets the first set of edits until it publishes last year was only about six months or less. Okay. So end of the year pending anything not taking way longer than last time. Right, right. And I don't think it would take longer necessarily than last time because I'm using all the same vendors. They all know me. They've all worked with me before. Mm -hmm. The the illustrator is using all the same characters as last time. Right. So he can just look at the first book and and replicate, you know, whatever he drew for the first one and have the the characters doing different things and whatever. There are some new characters that are going to appear in the new one. Um, in the sequel, but uh, it's not creating from scratch the way the first one was. So it's going to take less time, I imagine. So is this going to be like an ongoing series or is it just going to be the two books? Do you have any idea <laughs> how many books I would like to be? have more things happen with this dragon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm envisioning him getting into all kinds of adventures. So so he's, he's burned down villages accidentally with his sneezes. Yeah. I mean, there's... Yep. There's so many cool stories that you can do with dragons. I mean, because mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. fly and they fire. Mm-hmm, and they... <laughs> mm-hmm. If you, right. my, my daughter watches stuff where the dragons can, like, she's really big into um, how to train your dragon and stuff like that. Mm, and so, mm-hmm, like, those dragons mm-hmm. all do all kinds of different tricks and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you're just bound by your imagination when it's a mythical creature like this. You can have them doing all kinds of stuff. Within reason. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I've I've had some narrations where it's like, but would that really happen? I mean, I guess it's your fantasy world. So if you right. want that to happen that way, that's that's up to you. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. I haven't I haven't had anything crazy, crazy happen in any hmm. books I've narrated, but hmm. um I imagine that could happen where something is so far out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are there going to be any more dragons introduced or is he going to stay by himself? Ooh, that's, that's, I can't tell you. So that's the big, <laughs> that's the big question in the second book, actually. That's, oh, okay. I'm I'm so sorry. No spoilers. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but that's his goal in the second book is to find, remember, because his parents, I'll just give are you a gone, little Yeah. Here. So he's got to have someone, someone like him. That, so that seems he's... like a reasonable thing to happen in a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's what the second book is going to deal with. Um, you know, your your birth family versus your found family. Um, that sort of, those sorts of questions. Okay. So you 
you seem to have stumbled into the good group of advice and stuff like that. Have you had any just terrible advice that you've maybe not even given to you, but seen in any of these Facebook groups and stuff that you've been in? Hmm. I haven't seen any terrible advice. No, actually, um, a lot of people seem to be um, sincere and really trying to help others. And some things that work for one person may not work for somebody else. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. one of the things that really works for me is um, there's a website called pubby.co, P-U-B-B-Y dot C-O. I don't know mm-hmm. why it's not calm, but it's .co. Anyway, okay. um, <laughs> um, it, it it helps new authors get good reviews or any kind of review or even a bad review. Um, basically, you pay a fee for a year and um, a nominal fee for what it is. It's maybe $200 for the, for the year. And you get this currency unique to that site um, called Snaps. It's their own made made up currency. And you read other people's books and you review them on Amazon and you earn snaps that way. And then you trade in those snaps for other people to review your book. So it's not a quid pro quo. It's not like I read your book and then and review it and then you read my book back. It's mm-hmm. I read yours, you read somebody else's, somebody reads somebody else's. So it doesn't um, ruin the uh, terms of service. It doesn't go against the terms of service of of Amazon or anything like that. Yeah, it's basically just a group of people that you're there for the purpose of reviewing books. Yes, and it tells you how many pages these books are too, or not pages, but how many words. Mm. So if I don't want to be spending too much time reviewing other people's books, um, I can just look for other children's books, which is good for me anyway. I need to know what else is out there and what the competition is and so on. So um, I read these others and, and then I earn the snaps and I've gotten something like 90 something of the of the reviews that I've gotten on Amazon have come from hubby reviewers that uh, are other people that that are interested in reviewing other people's books. So there are similar things for all my experiences in audiobooks because I don't have any books published yet. Um, but there are similar things for audiobooks as well, mm-hmm. where you like it's. They don't let the narrators do it, though. It has to be the person mm. that is the rights holder for the book that does opens the the thing, at least the ones that are available now that I know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar thing, it's you pay a thing. Now, that one is you pay a thing, you up, you upload your like free codes that you have to them, and then it would be essentially like an ARC reader. They get a free copy right. and they're supposed to go review it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, NetGalley is another one that does that, that I've gotten mm, some really yeah. great reviews from NetGalley. And a lot of the people that that go to NetGalley to review books are teachers, librarians. So mm. it's, you know, people in, in that realm. So it's, it's really great to get reviews from people that uh, that's their life. They work with kids and they, yeah. they know what kids like. Yeah, so. I've had I've heard of quite a few like um, newsletters and stuff that you can get your books into mm-hmm, that gets mm-hmm. sent out to you know people that like I don't remember the names of them, but there was one where it was like you know if you're a like romance author, they mm-hmm. would put you in the romance mm-hmm. newsletter. Mm-hmm. If you were a children's author, I don't know if they do children's, but they would put mm-hmm. you in the children's newsletter, for example. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's several that I've done like that. Um, one of them is through Written Word Media. And they have several like bargain booksy and freebooksy.com and things like that. Uh, Red Feather, something or other. And that's for their that's their romance uh, for their romance. And then they send everybody who wants to be on their e-newsletter um, who are readers mm-hmm. get 
get uh, a listing of different books every week or, so, or every two weeks, something like that, that are on sale. If you're willing to put your book on sale for the ebook, then they'll list it in this listing. And it's great to do that because then people maybe start out by um, buying your ebook and then um, decide to get either a hard copy or a paperback, hardcover or paperback. So you're saying ebook. So you have the the print book, which is square. Mm-hmm. Ebooks are typically like rectangular. Did your illustrator do like both versions or did he just like cut off the edges for the rectangular versions? Hmm. I know like ebooks is a, like a smaller, it's not a square. At least my my Kindle is not a square. Hmm. Uh, I think my ebook looks pretty much like my regular book. I don't know how how they did that. I didn't really get into the... <laughs> <laughs> Most people wouldn't ask the technical, technical <laughs> questions. I imagine it's similar to audiobook covers because, like, the ebook cover is usually rectangular, where the audiobook is square. So they typically, mm. I don't know, there's two different ways. Typically, they just like cut off the bottom and the top a little bit and then move mm. the words. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> that's typically what I see with like audiobook covers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> just kind of smush. Smush, or you get the ones that just take it and they just like literally smush it in like some photo software. So like the whole photo looks like it got squished. Oh, gosh. No, this <laughs> looks actually really good. The The ebook is uh, through Kindle. So um, that's that's who I have. my And I have Kindle Unlimited, um, you know, so I'm, I'm involved in that. And so, um, yeah, that's the only place you can get my ebook right now is, is through Amazon. Okay. But the but I do have the hardcovers and softcovers elsewhere. So you are, do you have plans for any other series in the future or are you on Dragons for a while? I'll stick with the Dragon for a while. I have another um, story that is loosely based on a dog that I had um, about four years ago. And he had um, some behavioral issues and some mental health issues. And he was, it was, he was a difficult dog to raise. Um, He was a Border Collie mix very smart but he was almost completely deaf so he he was and and he was fearful um so mm. uh very neurotic um was basically woody allen in a fursuit so <laughs> <laughs> so that was my dog asher but um this story that i've i've written about him um that i'm hoping to publish someday not necessarily right away is about loosely based on him And how we got him involved in agility and that helped. In real life, it did help him, but he was never completely a normal dog. In Mm -hmm. the story, it's sort of um, a redemption story and and the agility helps and he's great and everything. Mm -hmm. But in real life, he was better than he was, but he was never quite um, exactly like other dogs, which is Mm -hmm. fine. He he had his challenges, but... um, but that that's what that book would be about. And I'm waiting on that one, though, because the dog genre of children's picture books is so uh, overloaded right now mm-hmm. that uh, I want to build a little bit of a reputation for myself um, before I launch into a story about a dog, because mm-hmm. it, otherwise I'll, I'll get lost in the shuffle. No, I right. don't think anyone would necessarily read it because just because there's so many of them. And now this so. would be another children's? Yes. Children's picture book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, yeah. the two that you said are published in anthologies, those ones are, I don't, ha- I assume they're adult anthologies. I don't know that I've ever yes. seen a kid's anthology. No, this one, these are, uh, um, it's a uh, personal essay. 
that's um okay. in a yeah adult anthologies about um different types of dogs and people's experiences with dogs so i had a short story so it's more um, it's non-fiction non-fiction non yeah and i may okay. make that one into a uh picture book too that story because that was about um about my dog that starred as toto in the wizard of oz she mm -hmm. did um dinner theater Oh, yeah, so that could she, be a fun picture book. <laughs> yes. She did seven shows a week for five months. And um, so she got uh, paid in prime rib because it was dinner theater. So she got that every night. And <laughs> I got paid $40 a show that she was in. So she I, she um, got paid more than the children in the uh, that played the Lollipop Guild people or whatever. So she was uh, she was the only cast member without an understudy. So I was very proud of her. How do you, did she have to, did you have to train her to do anything for the show? Yes. Yeah. So she had to learn how to answer to Toto as well as her real name, which is Lyric. <laughs> so, and Not at the end anywhere the close. Show, right. And at the end of the show, um, I would come by uh, into the main area and I would bring a little ink pad and I would have her sign autographs. I would have her put her <laughs> paw onto the ink pad. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was really fun being a doggy stage mom. So, um. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think all the creatures in my house respond to multiple names because you have like their mm. name, name, and then the nickname that you call yes. them. <laughs> that mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. there's, so you had to basically just give the dog a different nickname that it then knew. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. That's cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, do you have any final advice, tips, tricks for any new authors or maybe authors that are looking to kind of revamp their process? I know you're still newer yourself, but you've learned more than someone who hasn't done it yet. So what have you got to help out someone? Sure. Um, I have several things that I would say. Um, one, there's no rush. You know, mm -hmm. you're on your own timeline. Um so for me, the reason, um, part of the reason I decided to to self-publish when I did was I saw that video and it made me feel like it was possible with somebody's help. Mm -hmm. um, but it took me still 13 years from, from my actual sneeze, my own sneeze into actually making this into a book. So there's no rush to that. And jot your ideas down, you know, record them into your phone, text yourself, send yourself notes if, if you come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. Um and there are some books out there that talk about um, morning pages and things like that. And in the morning to write a certain number of pages. Um, I, I, my advice is to follow your own circadian rhythms. I, mm -hmm. You know, if if I'm if I feel like writing things at three in the morning, I can't sleep, whatever. Um, don't fight that. That's, you know, do, if your body's able to you're coming up with your creative ideas, then just follow that. Um, also know that you're not on your own. You can join all these Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, any disease you think you might have, um, <laughs> or whatever, you can find a Facebook group about it. Um, but there's also, there's webinars. Um, there's so much you can, you can gain from other, other people and, um, use your friends and family as a focus group too. You've got people already in your life, um, mm -hmm. who can give you their opinions too. So, um, so yeah, so those are the pieces yeah, of I've, advice that I would give. Yeah. I actually have my best friend is alpha reading as I'm writing mine. Um, also to add to that, there are authors, um, 
that will do like seminars and stuff and then they'll put it up on YouTube. So that's another mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. that you might um Brandon Sanderson is one of the authors I know that does like all his seminars are on you on his YouTube somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um so like that is also another resource for finding maybe you can't afford a webinar that's a paid one, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, anything you can find anything on Google, like literally anything you can mm-hmm. find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, and if you're a children's book author, you know, join SCBWI and things like that, that pr- these associations that give you some mm-hmm. credibility. And then they also have those videos and things that you can watch um, on their websites for free as a member. Well, so. and a lot of them, too, if you are getting into like the publishing route, I know there's a couple. Um, that's not one that I've heard of, but there's one for grown up books. I know where like they have lawyers there that will like look through contracts and stuff to make sure you're not being taken advantage of and stuff Mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. um i don't know if that one does that as well but a lot of Mm. those organizations will have like you know people on hand to use for that kind of thing as well Mm -hmm. if you're looking into using people where you would need contracts like your illustrator and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but especially like when you're getting into agents if you had ended up going that route (laughs) Mm -hmm, you want to make sure that like the contract is all good for you too (laughs) exactly yep yep (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good Saturday. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. As Cheryl got older, she liked Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is a book of children's literature by American author E.B. White and illustrated by Garth Williams. It was published on October 15, 1952 by Harper and Brothers. The novel tells the story of a livestock pig named Wilbur and his friendship with a barn spider named Charlotte. When Wilbur's in danger of being slaughtered by the farmer, Charlotte writes messages praising Wilbur such as some pig and humble in her web in order to persuade the farmer to let him live. Written in White's dry, low-key manner, Charlotte's Web is considered a classic of children's literature, enjoyed by readers of all ages. The description of the experience of swinging on a rope swing at the farm is an often cited example of rhythm in writing, as the pace of the sentences reflects the motion of the swing. Since this story is not yet available in the public domain, today we'll be reading the short Aesop fable, The Pig and the Sheep. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Pig and the Sheep A pig found his way into a meadow where a flock of sheep were grazing. The shepherd caught him and was proceeding to carry him off to the butchers. When he set up a loud squealing and struggled to get free, the sheep rebuked him for making such a to-do and said to him, The shepherd catches us regularly and drags us off just like that, and we don't make any fuss. No, I dare say not, replied the pig, but my case and yours are altogether different. He only wants you for wool, but he wants me for bacon. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Stormy's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.